I'm all about building communities, celebrating unique journeys, and sharing stories about the paths people have taken to enter the tech industry. Join me as we explore the skills my guests have learned in their prior jobs, schooling, or life experiences, and how they apply them to their current roles in tech. My guest today became a developer in 2019. Before that, he spent a decade training people in finance and also moonlighted as a political candidate, concert promoter, and a comic book store owner. But today is a developer for Campus Guard and an instructor for General Assembly boot camps. He is also the creator of devnursery.com, the developer community, and the creator of many JavaScript libraries. Where we made most of our money was in selling like individual cards, like individual Magic the Gathering cards, stuff like that. Sure. But people need to learn how to play the game. So I actually spend a good chunk of every day teaching people how to play Magic, how to play other card games at the time. Mm-hmm. And that forced me to kind of always think, how can I break down concepts, complex concepts, yeah. simply? I'm your host, Lauren Lee, and this is We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. His name is Alex Merced. Alex, welcome to We Belong Here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to to be here. Yeah, I'm super stoked to be chatting with you today. Uh, Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Sounds good. Can you tell me more about the experiences that you had before you entered the tech industry? Uh, Yes, yes. Um, I've had a pretty interesting backstory. Like, um, (laughs) I always try to live my life in the sense that at any moment, if I were to go, there'd be uh, a decent enough left behind. So a little summary, if I go back to when I was in college, I did have an interest in programming at a a young age, but I was a computer science major for like the first semester of a college, but I I pretty much changed my major pretty soon into college into popular culture studies uh, over there in Bowling Green State University in Ohio. I grew up in Connecticut. And during that time, I was a a college, uh, I was a concert promoter at the local concert venues, uh, college radio DJ. Uh, Me and a buddy started up actually a comic book store during those years while I was in college. And that forced me to kind of learn a little bit of like web development and whatnot for the, because uh, we were setting up like a land gaming center. So I had to learn some tech stuff for that, but it was mostly Got like a, a business venture. And then after that, when I, I moved to New York City, I got involved in the financial industry as a stockbroker. And then I started working for a company training people who were to become stockbrokers or different positions in the financial industry. And I did that for like 10 years. And okay. on, on the side, I I did a bunch of like, I ran for office a few times in New York City. Uh, but overall, always keeping busy and doing random things. I love it. It's really neat. It's a versatile background. So I'm curious why you started taking the courses and then switched majors back in school. Well, I can be very impulsive. So like I grew up in <laughs> Connecticut. And the reason I went to like Bowling Green State University is because I just like, I enjoyed that name, Bowling Green. I just thought it was a, a nice combination of words. I never actually visited the campus until I moved in. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. That, the street I grew up on was called Bowling Green. So I, I too have an affinity for it. Uh, yeah. Okay, so 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 you decided to go to school there and ended up and decided to take, you know, were you interested in computers and tech growing yeah. up? Was that a passion of yours? I was a big gamer as a kid. I did like, I did dabble with a little bit of programming. Not let's say programming, but like HTML and CSS when I was wee, yeah, a wee yeah. hike. Um, I was raised by a single mother, so when she used to go to community college, she would leave us in the compute, me and my brother in the computer lab, and we would play on the computer while she was doing her class. So I would be like on GeoCities. Um, if people remember GeoCities, and I'd be like <laughs> playing with the "What you see is what you get" editor. Uh, also, yeah. a thing that was kind of burgeoning was like this. Uh, 
hadn't come to the US yet, but there was a version you can download online of like a thing called RPG Maker to create your own role-playing games. And that oh, had wow. like scripting in it. So you would create like little if statements and little variables. There was no coding, but the principles were there. Mm. So that stuff all got me really interested. And I decided I wanted to be a computer science major, but I really didn't like, uh, I did not like calculus at all. I did not want to, yeah. I had already spent enough and I didn't really have extra cash to buy a graphing calculator, which really made calculus oh, a lot harder. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh, of course. <laughs> so I decided I'm not going to do this. I'm going to change my major. So, Got it. Okay. And, and so what did you, what, what did popular culture look like as a major? It was interesting. What it, what it really is, it's it's applied anthropology and sociology. So you're learning oh, different cool. anthropolo- anthropological and sociological concepts. But instead of studying mm-hmm. some like tribe up in the mountains, you're mm-hmm. studying, you know, more mainstream culture and trying to like take yeah. a look at like, what can you extrapolate? And that's actually given me an insight to human behavior that with oh, my yeah. later on interest in economics has really helped me in a business sense too, because it just gives me sort mm-hmm. of this like intuition to what people value and what products to make and stuff like that. Yeah, I bet that you are such a renaissance man. I mean, it's so you had a comic book store, you ran for off, I mean, the stock market and you ran for office. It's just so many cool different things. The thread throughout, it sounds like you really like, you you have a good business sense of things, it sounds like. I, I, I hope to. Um, I, I, you know, <laughs> I've, had, I've had my successes and I've had my not my learning my lessons learned, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, it's all been something at the end of the day, what's always been sort of the thread is sharing it with others and using mm-hmm. my experiences to, to let others learn. Like I run several podcasts. I have one branding podcast from before I did the switch to coding. It's called, I think it's, it's a brand me is the podcast. And there actually, yeah. I, I, I teach marketing lessons by going through my life story. I see. Okay. That's yeah. Great to use yourself as an example and model for then that storytelling. Yeah. Lovely. So, okay. Then take me to how did you then decide to make the leap and learn to code and how exactly did you learn it? So every once in a while throughout the years, I would go back and crack open a C++ book, but I never did anything practical. Okay. So it wasn't until 2019. In 2019, I enjoyed training people in the financial industry. I love teaching. I still teach. I love talking, but what happened was I wanted to live somewhere else. I, I was so, uh, me and my wife, we both wanted to leave uh, New York City. We're still in the process of leaving New York City. Um, you know, it's just the, the cost of living, all these things. So I needed another career. Sure. Being in finance kind of kind of pigeonholes you in New York City. So mm-hmm. I was thinking what to do. And coding has always interested in me. I started mm-hmm. teaching myself Python. and the, But I was like, I'm understanding it. I can do the thing, but I really don't know how to turn this into a new career. I needed some structure, some guidance. So I looked into the boot camps. You know, it seemed like a more reasonable proposition. It gave me a little bit more structure that I didn't have teaching myself, but it didn't wasn't like the kind of sticker shock that you would have from like another four years. I couldn't necessarily take four years off of life to exactly. go back to school. Sure. Sure. So it was like a perfect in-between. And there you had like, you had a career coach that kind of guided you on like, how do you make this leap? And then allowed mm-hmm. me to f- focus and have a more sort of gradual curriculum. Because I was just teaching myself random things and not really like, you know, there's all sorts of things. Like I was teaching myself like Django and Python without realizing there's all these things I probably should know first before I'm like mm-hmm. diving into that. So Supporting the kind of structured curriculum of like, this will help you create a full web page or yeah, definitely. It's nice to have that kind of uh, support, I suppose. Yeah. So it just helped tie everything together. So that way, how everything connects was just a lot clearer. Like I was able to like, I could take what I learned and do stuff with it, 
but the bigger picture was still missing and like the the the, the curriculum <laughs> and the course really really helped sure. tie it together oh my gosh well very cool so that was a general assembly yes yep yep yeah, it was like a late 2019 i ended up graduating <laughs> early january 2020 and then very cool. i graduated with a job offer from a company called crossfield digital and at the same okay. time, during the course, because I always was a content creator. So even before okay. this, I'd create content for finance, I'd create content to politics, content to marketing. So during the course, I would create videos uh, to one, just practice talking about code to get better at mm-hmm. myself coding, yeah. but also the, yeah, to, to help some. Yeah, and also help some of my fellow students who were in the course with me. Um, mm. And then the, the the instructors they noticed. So they recommend they they're like oh this is actually pretty good so they reckoned me to be instructor at GA so I ended up getting a second job offer unexpectedly to to work at GA. Wonderful! Oh, that's so great! Yeah, to give back too. Like wow, you really did a great job for your cohort. Can we benefit from can all the cohorts learn from you? Yeah, and it's been a great experience. I love teaching. I love helping people. So it's been a very rewarding experience. I'm now about to start my seventh cohort this week uh, as an oh instructor. Wow, that is so cool. Congratulations. What a cool gig to be. So you do that as well as working as a developer for Campus Guard. Yep. So the first year I was with Crossfield Digital. And then this year I just transitioned to working for Campus Guard. So this will be my second role as a developer. And it's been it's been a fun ride. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of day in and day out stuff with like mostly React TypeScript on the front end, uh, GraphQL okay. Apollo server on the back end. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's been a fun adventure. And I've gotten to dabble with lots of other tech because I like teaching. So even then I kept making YouTube videos and making YouTube videos on pretty much any language you can think of. I there see. Dev Nursery. Yeah, no. And I mean, it's so helpful too. I mean, I think the experience you had from spending so much time teaching folks in the stocks and financial industry probably translates so much too, that it's just like now within your wheelhouse to play, explore, and then, you know, turn that into content that about how to others can also. Exactly, exactly. Like I've had, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to just kind of let life take me where it's going to take me, that I've learned (laughs) a lot of lessons that I've been fortunate enough to be in positions to impart with others. And especially like a lot recently, I've been writing a lot of articles on my blog uh, from a developer's point of view, like tips that from the things that went well over the last couple of years since I've made this switch that helped me develop a strong brand, helped me really find opportunities pretty quickly, uh, helped mm-hmm. me develop a reputation and increase my knowledge pretty quickly. So I've written sure. some blog articles on that over there on my blog. And uh, but stuff, just stuff like podcasting, stuff like making videos, stuff like, um, mm-hmm. oh, uh, blogging. Just like, so like lately I've been doing a lot of tutorials just like how to set up like a, an environment to do Rust programming or an environment to do yeah. Go programming. And while I've That's dabbled great. in those languages writing to tutorial that kind of walks you step by step forces you to really think through what each of these steps mean and do a little extra mm-hmm. research that just really solidifies that knowledge. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's just so, it's such a kind thing to do also. Like, yes, it's, it helps you understand something too, like compart, you know, breaking it down into consumable chunks and, and really understanding the ins and out of why you do that process, but also then sharing it with your community. I really love as well. I mean that you are just such an educator through and through everyone that learns from you is really, you know, just so appreciative of what you do. And I mean, it would just be very easy to like 
just be a developer and like keep all of that information in your head. So I think it is a really cool thing to applaud and like step back and say, oh, it's so awesome that you also share that with, you know, folks who are learning to code and, you know, really benefit from someone with that like pedagogical mindset, I bet. Yeah. And then it's like, I love to talk about this stuff and then teaching other people to like talk about it gives me more people to talk to, which is fun. Sure. Great point. Absolutely. What would you say, you know, kept you from entering the tech industry before you did? Is it all the other interests that you had before that? Kind of like one was, it was more a couple, a couple of different reasons. One was a perceived risk, like the thought that like, Oh, you know, do I have to go back to school for another four years to 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 make this to, to do what I would have done or mm-hmm. I could have done a long time ago? And what would be the downtime between uh, what I being able to pay my bills? I was kind of fortunate. We, you know, I was in a place where we we both agreed that this was like sort of the right move for us, and we were able mm-hmm. to make it work. But um, it, it basically, I just had to want the change in my life enough, and I think that's sort of what held me back for a long time. Because I, I still wanted to learn coding. I still dabbled in it. But to actually make yeah. it my life, I had to kind of want another life enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that scary thing of making that full transition, the jump, the leap to say, I'm going to leave everything else behind and make this the full time thing is a terrifying one <laughs> to say, you know, put it lightly. It is. But it's, you know, there's, it's also exciting. Like once you actually make the decision and you mm-hmm. say, hey, I want to do this leap, it's something it really, it's really empowering. Like when you do certain things that seem risky and it turns out like you, you mm-hmm. get through it just fine then the next thing doesn't seem so scary. Like, mm-hmm. like going back to like the comic book store, like that's like at the time it didn't seem like that big a deal. But in hindsight, like we went, we like me and my buddy, we decided to, we actually rented a storefront. We yeah. put a, bought a bunch of computers and opened up a store. And um, in hindsight, I'm like, man, I, that's crazy because it was like a lot, there's a lot of legal, <laughs> you know, risks you're taking. And we just did it without really thinking But after that, like, okay, well, if we could do that, then like anything else seems like, Uh, okay. Absolutely. Hello, We Belong Here listeners. Today's episode is sponsored by the new We Belong Here Discord community. I recently have been thinking about ways to continue the conversation with guests after each episode, to foster our community, share resources, and stay connected to both the guests and listeners. And I'm excited because we've created a We Belong Here Discord server. What is Discord, you might be asking? Well, it's a voice, video, and text communication service to talk and hang out with your friends and communities. I know, neat, right? It will be a place for us to connect, share resources, mentor, and build community together. Everyone is welcome, and it promises to be an incredibly inclusive space. It's important to me that everyone has an inclusive community where everyone feels welcome and supported. And this could be yours. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in joining, please do. The link to join is bit.ly slash we belong discord. That's bit.ly forward slash we belong discord, D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Or find a link in my bio on Twitter or Instagram at Lolo Coding. I'm super excited to see you there. Well, okay. Actually, that that brings a question I, I'm curious about is how would you say your past as, for example, you know, a comic book store owner or a concert promoter or your time in finance, 
you know, being a political candidate. How have all those different things helped you today in your role as either an instructor or a software developer? Okay, in a lot of different ways. One of the most probably the most unifying thread is my ability to communicate. In all mm-hmm. of those jobs, I had to do a lot of communicating. As a comic book store yeah. owner, where we made most of our money was in selling like individual cards, like individual Magic the Gathering cards, stuff like that. Sure. But people need to learn how to play the game. So I actually spend a good chunk of every day teaching people how to play Magic, how to play other card games at the time. Mm-hmm. And that forced me to kind of always think, how can I break down concepts, complex conceps, yeah. simply? Wow. Same thing as a political figure. You know, especially when you're running as like a third party candidate, you really got to like, you have to, you have to try harder to, to get one, get people's attention and to mm-hmm. capture their imagination. So that really forced me to like, how can I frame what I'm trying to communicate the va- the values that I have in a way right. that people can empathize and appreciate. So that's yeah, like the storytelling, but also, you know, spinning all those things so that it feels accessible and translates and that there's lessons learned there along the way. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious how you do that. You know, how do you spin your past when you started interviewing right outside of when you were leaving your boot camp? How did you kind of frame all of that to be an asset, if you will? That was a great thing. Like, I didn't really need to because oh, I. <laughs> I had so much content online as I started applying for work, mm-hmm. people would just see the plethora of content, the blog posts, the podcasts and whatnot. It, that, exactly. So like it basically was just was like, okay, well, we know who you are. Like, okay, let's do some sort of coding challenge or let's do some sort of test of your ability. We didn't, we, they didn't, there wasn't as much of a need or a desire for them to have a conversation with me because they already kind of knew who I was. So building a presence online helped you kind of skip that conversation in a way because the ethos was already established and you kind of were allowed to just jump into the conversation about what it, what's the product you're building or what's the coding problem you have for me today? You want me to whiteboard? What have you? Yeah, it's it's really good advice. Yeah. And this, that's one of the things I did learn while I was working in finance, because on top of just like training people to get their financial licenses, we would train people to develop their practices it was for a company called Greco Financial Training. They're still there. They're still training people. One of the things we did is well, one of the things we emphasize is that your goal isn't to necessarily have to be that person who's always like nagging people for a sale. If you create mm-hmm. the right aura, the right authenticity, people will come mm-hmm. to you because it's like the, like a doctor. You don't question the doctor's recommendation. You go, you know, the mm-hmm. doctor tells you to do something, you do it because they, there's a certain authenticity, the certain authority that they have that's based on like the uniform, that's based on the whole like being in a hospital. When you're in all these different contextual things line up, you just sure. assume a certain role and a certain authority to another figure. And the idea is how do you build that to yourself as a financial planner? Same thing in the coding space. So I I applied that logic to being a coder. How can I build that authenticity? I got to learn the stuff and be good at it. But the thing is that I can be, I can be super good at it, but if people don't know that or don't have that impression, then Mm -hmm. I'm I'm missing the other half of the story. So I did a, I made a lot of effort of creating that content, creating that context for that, to have that impression. So, and I, and I think, you know, some people get stuck on the piece of like, well, I don't have the diploma hanging on the wall that the doctor might have that allow, tells me that they've gone to school, that they've earned that degree, et cetera. So what's advice for folks that are curious, I guess, to establish that credibility and authenticity uh, as they begin to search for roles? That's the beauty of coding. Like, like <laughs> you can you can develop that authenticity. You just have to be able to code. Like that's that's so like like so first you have to you have to be able to do the thing. But if you can do the thing, then 
you can easily show that you can do the thing again through videos, through podcasts, through blogs, through having working applications. There's all yep. sorts of ways to demonstrate it once you can do it. And then mm-hmm. you just have to do it. Like a lot of people, like just, they submit their resume with a few links to a few projects. They may go see your portfolio page. But I mean, when you, when you see them, you have like many different mechanisms for showing what you do. It just creates a sort of overwhelming, like there's so much stuff here. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's, that's cool. So like, so you, you, yeah. it's just creating that sort of the immersion. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, really thoughtful. That's um, great, great advice. Can you share any life lessons that you've learned from your transition to tech? I am 50 times happier than I've ever been. Like um, it, my, my work-life balance is, is, is pretty ideal. Um, both of my jobs are remote. So I get to be, I get to be at home. I get to spend more, um, I get to spend more time with my wife. I get to get more sleep, but I also get to spend a lot more time with things that I'm interested in. Like basically I'm constantly just like, and this is one of the things I did like about my training job in finance that I got to spend a lot of time learning new things. I love learning, but here I like, mm. Not only am I learning things, but I'm learning things that I can put into practice sort of like immediately. I, I can go build something with it the minute I learn it. And also it just makes everything around me make more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm so stoked for you. It sounds like it's been a really great journey. And it's so fun to hear you know, folks who have come out on the other side have taken the big leap and risk and, you know, just like, I don't know, scary decision to enter into a new space and absolutely love it. I think that that is so incredible. And just like, yes, there's more folks curious to do it every day. And like, there are so many fun roles out there. uh, And it's fun to share that with people too. Oh, 100% agreed. And one of the things that people have to kind of remember when they're trying to make big decisions is that they can't just imagine the potential downside. I mean, that's important to consider, but also to imagine right. the potential upside and also the downside and upside of not doing anything. A lot of people always forget to factor in like, well, if I'm not happy in my current situation, that's a cost right. and it's costing you to not do anything. So sometimes it's actually less risky to make a change and have the possibility of happiness than the certainty right. of unhappiness thing where you're at. Yeah. Wow. So poignant and true. Uh, can you tell me about a time that you felt like an outsider and maybe how you've dealt with those feelings? All my life. <laughs> when I was younger, like you know, that was, you know, something definitely challenging. I, you know, in the sense, like I always just felt that there wasn't necessarily like a place where I fit in comfortably toward later on in my life. I that tends, tends to be one of the things about me that I enjoy the most because when you're an outsider, you can see just the day, the normal mundane things from that outsider perspective and kind of see what's really going on. Cause it's hard to really like people, it's like, for example, when you think about things like you do your own habits, it's really hard to pick out your own idiosyncrasies because you're mm-hmm. looking at it from your point of view and yeah. other people can notice. And that's why like, oftentimes you get the best advice from other people and it's hard for you to act on your own advice. Cause yeah. you're, but so being able to see sort of everything around me and not feeling necessarily part of it allows me to kind of really see like how do people interact with each other. And this is where like the time studying economics, the time studying anthropology and sociology really paid off because I had that mm-hmm. outsider's perspective packaged with all these sort of different disciplines that that taught me about human behavior. It just, the world just is very clear to me, like why things happen, why the world works the way it does. <laughs> and then that's just also, but that also helps think you can see all the building blocks. If I can see all the building blocks in just life and in the things around me, then translating that into code, where when you're doing like object-oriented programming, it's all about abstracting all of that. And it's much yeah. easier to abstract something when you're looking at it from the outside, at that outsider's point of view. So that's really translated well into coding. 
because things yeah. are just stuff. <laughs> no, it's a great way to spin that particular lens, though, is like, yeah, it's an asset and I use it every single day uh, and I'm not trying to like overcome it, but embrace it instead. And yeah, that is that, it's beautiful. Do you have Thanks. any advice for those that are wanting to transition into tech that you can share? One, just do it. Uh, two, it, like, and if when you do it, like, like you know, I mean, of course, assess your costs, assess, like, take, think about, like, what can you, as far as, like, the time you dedicate to it, think about what you can really afford to sacrifice and then have a time horizon based on that. Like, if you only can do a part-time jump in because you have to work part-time to pay your bills, sure. then extend your time zone. Be like, okay, it's not going to take me three months to make this transition. It's going to maybe take me six months to a year. But that's fine. You have a plan. You have expectations that you can. Um, it's all about setting expectations for yourself, so that way you don't feel like you're constantly in this state of uncertainty. Because that's all it really is. P- fear is just uncertainty. So if you can manage that uncertainty by by doing just some light assessment, not you know just just setting some expectations to help ground you in that uncertainty, mm-hmm. it's much easier to make bigger decisions. Other piece of advice: imposter syndrome. That's. <laughs> Imposter syndrome is a gift, okay? You can either be your worst, your worst thing or your best thing. So if you, if you take imposter syndrome, that feeling that you're not good enough, and take it as a reason to give up, then yeah, it's horrible. But if you take that feeling of not being good enough as a reason to get better and, and learn more and to motivate you, then it's like the best thing ever because then you, oh, you will always feel imposter syndrome, so you will always feel motivated to learn more and get better. Uh, yeah, that is really lovely. I think that that is a really cool and innovative way to spin that because yes, we are all familiar with imposter syndrome and it is easy to get it down. And so it's, uh, you often hear people, you know, talking about how to overcome it or beat it, but instead, what if we just embraced it and looked at it as a way or perceived it as a a way to explore the next exciting thing? Yeah, that's a really lovely, lovely way to think about it. Um, I recently have been adding some rapid fire questions into the end Mm -hmm. of the episode. Can I ask you some of those? Please do. Okay, cool. What is your favorite app on your phone? Favorite app is probably, I'm really enjoying Mastodon. It's not really one particular app. I'm using an app called Tuton to use a social network called Mastodon. I just love the idea of it. What Mastodon is, it's a federated, it's kind of like a federated version of Twitter. So instead of having like one company, Twitter, who controls the whole thing, anyone can start their own server and they can control who's on their server and what content is on their server, but all these servers can communicate with each other. So it creates sort of this like very decentralized community. People can kind of control what they want to be exposed to, but at the same time, also, there's no sort of, oh, there's no, everyone can be somewhere where they feel comfortable with what they're communicating. Mm, I love that. That's really, really cool. What would you say your favorite tech stack is? I'm probably, my strongest tech stack is going to be, of course, React. And then very, I'm very strong with Express and JavaScript. But I really find myself wanting to get better and better with Go. Getting, I'm getting more comfortable with, with Golang and I really like it. And then on the front end, I always really enjoy dabbling with, with, with Svelte because just, it's just so simple. Like if anyone hasn't used Svelte yet, like Svelte, what it does is that instead of having this framework that's constantly running your front end, it takes all your code, compiles it into just standard JavaScript, making your bundle smoother and actually it runs really fast. It's just so new. It doesn't have the same market share, but also just the web component API is something that I've been really fascinated with over the last year in the browser. And I've built a few libraries uh, for building components to make it a little bit easier to use. Yeah. That's so neat. I love that. Uh, What would you say your style of learning is? 
my style. In the beginning, he was watching a lot of videos. Always mm-hmm. my, when I'm into like a new sort of, a completely sort of new area, what I do is I just immerse myself in people talking about it because mm-hmm. it's, a lot of it's terminology. So just hearing the terminology over and over again. So when I jumped into the finance, literally it was just dozens of finance podcasts and I was just listening to them. <laughs> I was like, what's interest rate? What do they mean by a carry trade? And then after a while, like that stuff just kind of became normal way to, a normal way to talk for me. Same thing with coding. I listen to so many podcasts that just, even if I didn't know the language, just knowing a lot of these terminologies kind of really sank in. So I always start there. And then now, and then making videos, basically the best way I've had to learn is always teach. I'll learn something, but until I teach it, I don't own it. So I'll make a video. So literally most of the videos, like I think we're getting near a thousand videos now on YouTube, um, are literally just like, I just learned the thing and now I'm going to go teach the thing. (laughs) that's great yeah it forces you to really make sense of it that's for sure uh if you could go back and tell some or tell yourself some bit of wisdom when would you pick and what would you say buy more bitcoin (laughs) (laughs) that would be that would be today yeah oh man if if i that would be the one thing that one decision uh that i would have definitely made a bit differently got in earlier because I could have, but I didn't, and then gotten harder when I did. But it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. So, what are you going to learn next? Is it GoLang? More of that? Um, I'm always practicing like the different languages. Ra- that's kind of like what I was thinking today. Where do I want to focus? I think I might spend some time with Java and C Sharp because, of the, like, I'm I've done a little bit with both, but they're the two where like like they both have that sort of similar very 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 object oriented structure that mm-hmm. i'm still not quite as comfortable with like golang i've gotten pretty comfortable like i can i can make my way around it rust mm-hmm. rust i feel for, not, i'm not as comfortable as go but like i get it like I, like the syntax makes sense uh mm-hmm. c and c plus plus is like not too different than go and rust so like i i got it and like i was playing around with c like last weekend just because like i wanted to see how just to see how what happens when you have nothing like like mm-hmm. you just you just have you just have like the most basic tools at, at your disposal and that was that was you know just getting an array being able to push a value to array was quite the task right burden so so the answer is everything it all yeah yeah because like i don't there's nothing i need to know right now like i don't need to be a master of anything right now and like i love creating content so the more variety of things yeah. i learn the more variety of things i can create content on and the other thing about that strategy is i don't know what people are necessarily always looking for on youtube so if i make a little bit of everything you're going to f- eventually stumble upon one of my videos uh, mm, for something great. yeah yeah i like that and then kind of letting the metrics of what are people clicking on drive further what you're you know take on next yeah a mix of that and my own curiosity sure what is a good book you've read recently Man, over the last uh, over the last like year and a half all i've read is documentation but i really i really really did enjoy a book that I didn't read too recently, but I think it's what everyone should read is uh, Anti-Fragility by Nassim Taleb. Basically, what this book discusses is the idea, this concept of anti-fragility. So the idea is that pretty much up till this book, the way we would think about it is that there's there's things that are robust, which means like they get, you know, basically if like a house is robust and there's a huge storm, the house stands. And then there's mm-hmm. fragile. The storm comes, the house breaks. Mm-hmm. But there really isn't, but robust isn't necessarily the thing that like and how an economy or how like social things work. It's really they're anti-fragile because they don't just continue to stand when there's chaos. They actually improve when there's chaos. 
because mm-hmm. everyone figures out new ways to do things. So it's really kind of fleshing out this idea of anti-fragility and how that applies to uh, economies, to human behavior and how humanity as a whole, we're anti-fragile. When we get this, when there's disruption, when there's things that kind of attack the system, you know, it, we, it, we not only recover, but we generally are stronger on the other side. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. I will be sure to include that in the show notes for listeners. Okay, go ahead and Alex, make your shout out. What would you like listeners to go check out? Okay, I, I I definitely have content. So basically, if you go on any podcatcher and just type in my name, Alex Merced, you'll find a variety of podcasts. My coding podcast is a Web Dev 101. You can find my website with all the stuff over there at alexmercedcoder.com. And I have a blog where I have a lot of tutorials and a lot of useful advice. So check that out. Uh, my podcast and then my YouTube videos. And you can find the YouTube videos over there at alexmercedcoder.com. Follow me on Twitter and then join my uh, Discord and uh, Slack community over there at devnursery.com. Amazing. Yeah, I usually wrap up saying, where can people find you online? But it sounds like it's pretty easy. Just put you into Google. That's right. That's right. I'm, I, 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 I do my best to be as Googleable as possible. Love that you got your search engine optimized. Uh, well, Alex, thank you so much for being a guest today and chatting with the We Belong Here community and telling us your story. I really appreciate you so, so much. And just such a fascinating you know, background of things that you bring to the table. And I know that folks will be able to get a lot of advice from listening to your journey. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. And uh, I wish you the best. Yeah, talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks, bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode. I'm Lauren Lee. Thank you for listening to We Belong Here. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, find me on Twitter at Lolo Coding. That's L-O-L-O-C-O-D-I-N-G. Shoot me an email or leave a comment on the We Belong Here website. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please subscribe and review the show on your podcast player of choice. And be sure to check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.